if you told my teammates that there was someone in the room who's taken steroids, who is it? I would be in the last five that they would pick. We are here at the Lace Out Podcast and have I got an absolute special treat for you. I am with the legend of the Richmond Football Club. He might say otherwise, but in my eyes he is. Justin Charles, how are you today? Thank you, Chris. I'm fantastic. Um, Thanks for coming to my, my offices and what do you think? That's uh, no, beautiful. Love all the pictures you've got of yourself and your teammates <laughs> around the office, um, all dressed in white. Looks magnificent. Um, but no, I really appreciate you taking the time to have a bit of a chat to us because... Um, it's one of those things, a lot of people we always ask, tell me, you know, is there anyone in particular you want to have a chat about? And well, I think we start with too. the Tigers. And they always Let's say, start Let's with start, the Tigers. Let's start with the Tigers. Tell me, thoughts, feelings. I won a flag a couple of years ago, but you just mentioned to me that you're back with them. I'm, uh, I'm back on the payroll at Richmond. Um, 20 years ago when I came out of the game, uh, Nathan Bauer, was a teammate of mine, was working at the club, and he got uh, a number of ex-players to... Uh, host the coterie groups and um, run the raffles and interview players and make sure everyone's having a good time. And uh, then Craig Kelly's mob took over that role. Nathan got the boot out of that role. And and when Craig Kelly's people came in, I lost my job. So I've been out of there for over 20 years now. Uh, But Dale Waitman, the flea, rang me up just recently and and offered me the job back. And uh, look, uh, this is something... don't tell anyone. I'd do this for nothing. But uh, they're actually going to pay me to do it again, and uh, that's to host the coterie groups on Richmond home games. So I am absolutely stoked. And, to and be I must admit, and look, that's day. great to hear. And I also have a little bit of a special place in my heart for Richmond. Two reasons: my late nana Thelma was a massive Richmond supporter, right. but also um, a good mate of mine, Tom Hunter, is the reserves. Sorry, the women's coach down there as well too yeah she did mention so, that so on I a spent previous a bit of time with him yes. yep spent yes. a bit of time with him and know him quite well in his family so it's nice to know that there, there's a connection there as well too but so how long have you been back down with richmond for? Uh, this is the first year first year. um first year back and uh i will start that uh at our first home game which will be this week so so pumped. what do we what do we focus on that because you said it's been 20 years since you've been mm. with the club 20 years is a long time in football. From, from when you were playing, it's a, a week's time. a long time in football. <laughs> 20 years is a long time in anything, Chris. I've been with my wife 21 years, so I'm beating you on that one. But the thing I want to ask is that from, from when you were playing and to now, which era would you prefer to be in? Look, And oh. if we took out the money aspect of it and we just looked at <laughs> the way the football was done then yeah. and the way, it was done, the way it's done now. Yeah, well, I got paid good money back then too. So, I mean, I mean that's really irrelevant. But I, I actually think now. I think now as a, a big forward, a, a mobile forward, I think now is a good evolution to be in um, because it's all about how you train as well. I think I would have adapted to the training uh, very well. Um, and I would have... See, a lot of the players now, they're not as heavy. Uh, they don't have to carry as much weight and they train differently. It's more power-to-weight ratio yep. and you know it's more about um, you know that power-to-weight ratio so you're not carrying as much weight and I think that would have suited my personal physique better. Um, and I think the rules certainly suit me better now being a marking forward. I mean, you can't touch a forward these days. You can't touch their head, you can't touch their arm, you can't grab their jumpers. Um, certainly when I came into the league, when I first started playing at the Bulldogs, 
uh, guys like Silvani <laughs> and these big thug backmen that would get away with murder and they could virtually mug you. Um, it was a lot more difficult to you know get away from them number one and then you know try and get a kick you know against these guys whose job it is just to punch your head in. Oh well, yeah, keep you the ball away. You played so, on some rippers. You oh would have had God. Vic Martin would have been one that you Vic had to Martin deal with. Martin is another one. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Craig Kelly. Did you have to Craig some Kelly? Uh, no, not, not personally. Not per he was more half back sort of wing, yep. sort of deal. But he was a big winger. Big winger. Um, who else did I play in? Uh, you know, there were some good players from Hawthorne. You know, the, like there were the, there were the guys that the rules sort suited. of suited the backman. You know, certainly suited the backman. Um, was it, I'll put it this way: Was there anyone that, when you knew you were turning up against them, you were in for a day out? Um, yeah, I will say the Wakeland brothers. <laughs> I used to love playing on the Wakeland brothers because I reckon they were spuds. Yeah. <laughs> And I'd tell them I'm in for Brownlow votes today. Uh, no, no. I mean, yeah, I t I'm only joking when I say that. But um, I think every, at the elite level, and Robert Walls will tell you this as well, at the elite level, the guy that you're playing on is only ever either a little bit better or a little bit worse than you. Do you know what I mean? Or you're the same. Yeah. You know, across the board, talent and, and ability is, is pretty close um, on your direct opponent. Uh, and that's just how it is. So basically on any given day, it's who's the most motivated, who's up and about, who's most confident, who believes it the most. Um, and that's elite sport. That's, well, that's how it goes. So if you look at the game being played now, who do you switch the TV on for or who do you go and watch? Oh, and, and just you Great just question, Chris. That's a great question. Because uh, right now, like I am just so in love with Richmond right now. Like they, they like I read, I rewatched the last quarter of the first game uh, last night, just just for fun. And I don't often do that. Although I, had, I must confess, I have watched the grand final on numerous occasions. But um, it just really makes my heart burst to watch our guys play. They're so unselfish. Uh, and they've just got their system. They just understand what they're doing. They're, they're just getting the ball forward at all costs when they win the ball they're just all running forward and they're pinning the ball forward and it looks like they're they're no look handballs they just trust and know that they're going to be there um and it gives the forwards a, a real opportunity one-on-one -on -one. and and we've got some of the best forwards in the game now we've got lynch up there and and jack Rewalt because you really only needed another you're right key and, and caddy's hurt at the moment but he'll be back and dusty martin when he re you know he creates havoc when he's down there so but I mean, then we see little Higgins really embracing. They're just, they're just so giving the football to someone in a better position, without thinking. And it's a real spiritual brand of football. It's it's so beautiful to watch. Um, so I really love turning on the TV to watch Richmond at the moment. I mean, I just love the way they're playing. I love Damien Hardwick, how real he is. You know, he's sort of stripped back all the bullshit and all the ego and all the. Not that he had a big ego to start with, but just all, you know, he's just real, and he's just he's just playing with the he's not playing them with the media. He's 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 allowing his personality to play in front of everybody. He and hasn't got a mask really, on. No, no, he, he doesn't. He, he, he does you not. You can tell when he hurts, and you can tell when he's happy. Yeah. But three years ago, and the players love him for it. But the year they won the flag, they they weren't like that. And before that, a couple of years, you wouldn't say that they were like that. They I reckon when they won the flag, they were. They were. They but were. I reckon that was the catalyst like remember at the start of the year they had to change Cochin had to change quite a bit number of players that look i have to be vulnerable yeah. here and Cochin, Cochin's funny you should mention him 
He's gone from, and watching his game, I mean, he is just, he, he's gone from, you know, midway through that 2017 season, right? He was, up until around, about round nine, people were calling for him to get sacked um, and that he was not a very good captain and he wasn't playing very well. And then something around that midpoint, midway point, something clicked for him. And he just became that inside hardball winning inspirational captain and the, and the game he played in the grand final I mean he's gone from on the way out to finding another lease and he's every bit of Brownlow medalist now I mean yeah. and he's he's an inspirational skipper I, and I know I'm biased but right now he's probably the best captain playing yeah. at the moment you know so well, I, 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 the team prove me wrong well, you, know? <laughs> you know so who else is there not really anyone if you, if yeah. you, had, to, if you had to strip back the captains you from a you know it's almost like fatherhood selfless it, it, yeah it, yeah it changes the perspective there's and something there, there's something that clicked and it was at the start of that season when the guys were really disappointed with what they'd been producing and uh and it was really an earnest heart to heart in the pre-season when you know the players were saying to dimmer you know you'd you're trying to control everything too much. You're hanging on too tight and you don't give anything of yourself. And then that was the catalyst. Then he just goes, I'm getting a bit emotional just talking about it because I know a bit of the behind the story. Yeah. And, you know, when you when you lay everything down and you and you strip back and you're raw and you're just laying it on the line and you're, the tears are welling up and you're sharing, you know, your soul to, to your other guys that you're going to war with and then they start doing the same and then... Brandon Ellis just told him just, I believe, one of the most heartfelt stories. Uh, and it just it just set off a domino effect with all the guys that everyone just wanted to share and everyone just liked each other like that. Yeah. You know, it's hard, you know, when someone exposes themselves so, um, you know, they take the mask off and they just show you who they are, you can't help but love it. And everyone's done that. And everyone sort of just put their ego at the door, and now they're just okay. Let's see how great we can be. Yeah, you know, and and guy, we see guys like Jack and all the all the superstars t not taking the money that they could be earning elsewhere, but wanting to stay to achieve greatness. And and that paved the way to allow the salary cap room to get a player of Lynch's caliber, who is going to be a. I mean, what we saw. I mean, he's rusty. You know, he, he clunked a few balls off his hands, but you watch. He could have kicked nine goals. I don't, I don't, I don't want to hear that. He, he, he could have he had a lazy. He, he could have had a lazy nine goals and didn't break a sweat yeah. in our system. Uh, and and you know when he becomes more match sharp and hardened, I, I think you know even uh, I think a lot of them are gonna. I mean, you put Josh Caddy back in that team. You put him in there, Jack and 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 uh, uh, Tom Lynch, sort of understanding where everyone's going. Um, my God, just get the ball in that forward line. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thanks for that. Um, it, yeah, it, it is oh, scary. No, it's yeah, a, and it's, it's awesome. It's so I love I love turning on the TV and I love going to watch them live. You know, they're a, they're a privilege and an honour to watch at the moment. But it's interesting. But three years ago, there was the remember the board takeover. There was mm. a, the outside mob yeah. who were going to, and that was the year that they were going to do it. They wanted to get rid of yep. Hardwick. Yep. And Richmond, yeah, and Richmond were what very a much a club that would eat their own. They, 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 ate, they ate coaches more than, you know, uh, cut and, lunches. And you know, Benny Gale is a friend of mine. Yep. Uh, a wonderful teammate, a spectacular leader by example, by word and deed. Um, and he and Penny, 
uh, the way they guided their club through there. You know, I, I was talking to Benny about this very issue yeah. about you know how close were they on sacking Dimmer, and, and he goes, Charlesy, you know what? We weren't. You know, we did our review, and we were happy with our processes. Like we were happy with the process. He was doing everything that we believed we needed to do to be successful. It's just it's in lag. You know, like yep. it, like you've got to you've got to do X amount of things, and then the success sort of comes trailing. And so, if we got rid of him, all we're going to be doing is putting someone else in there to be doing what we're already doing. So it took real leadership to stand up and and uh, and allow Dimmer the space to do what he's doing, and, and have a look what's happened. And it, and they always say if you follow the systems, the, resu- follow yeah. the system results will come. Yeah, and that's a perfect example. Yep. They of it. believed in the system, and, and you have a look at them. They're, everyone is still trying to work it out. And uh, well, you know, uh, Clarkson had his, his system, and yep. he's I think he's on his almost his I think it's his seventh coach or yeah, six sixth or seventh coach. Yeah. So they've had that system. Yeah. He's, he's Richmond now have got their yeah. system, and uh, like most things, clubs want to try and copy it. There's the on-field stuff. Yeah, see, but now this is the thing. The, you've got to get the off-field yeah. right first. Yeah, but also, t- see, you've hit, you've, you're bringing up some really good issues here, Chris. Because this is what people don't see. It's no good copying something if you don't have the cattle to do it. They've developed something that they believe in with the players that they've got. But it's no use if you don't if you don't have the cattle to be able to execute what they're doing. See, our like you look at Richmond. Ours is based on speed and having marking forwards, you know, yep. and, and big marking guys, and you know, putting pressure, keeping the ball in our forward line so the ball comes out with pressure on it, and so our backmen are all sort of tall, but they're all sort of that six two six three, but they can all run, so they're intercept marking sort of guys. And then the ball's coming out with pressure so they can sort of sag off their men and intercept those marks. And it's no good if, if, you're, not, if you're not set up to play that style. Why play that style? Invent your own. Like you can use the principles, but don't try and play that kind of game if you're not set up like that. I think that's what takes a ballsy coach to go, yeah. we could do that but we've got yeah. to go our own way. And that's what's happened with Richmond in the past. You know, we had uh, you know, Terry Wallace and, and Danny Frawley and um, you know, these guys, Jeff Geeshan even, the same. You know, they come in se- as successful coaches, right? And then they get sucked into cu- uh, coaching for the popularity vote. Yep. You know, instead of staying true to what you believe in. So, unfortunately for Danny Frawley, you know, when he would come in with a, with a game plan... And as soon as the game plan sort of was going haywire in the first quarter, he'd change it. And so if you don't believe in the game plan, why would the players believe in the game plan? Exactly right. he, And then he, like as soon as they start getting goals kicked against him, he abandoned the, go- the game plan. And how do, you, how do you prove it right or wrong if you don't stick with it? And you know what? You've got to, if you're going to go down, go down in flames. And if you're going to go down, go down true to yourself. Yeah. And it's no use trying to be, it's no use trying to, make everyone happy because you're not gonna and if you don't have success they're gonna eat you anyway right so you may as well go down with what you believe in rather than try and coach popular popularly or to the popular vote <laughs> to the popular vote yeah. but that's but if so, you look at someone like john lomai you got ross lyon they've got their their way of doing it yeah and they've got their they've got their one wood but outside of that you sort of sit back and go well what, what, what what's next yeah, well, where in that case it was well, that's not working. We're just going to change it instead of sticking to it. Yeah. So it's almost the, yeah. the reverse. Yeah. Like yeah. when when you 
when you're when you're doing what you're doing and it isn't working, not having that yep. that shift or that ability to go, yeah. let's shift it, you know, ten degrees and this is what we're gonna do. Yeah, well look I think Ross Line's been found right out currently. Uh, and uh he's you know, gone are the days. I mean you you do have to uh, like his a very negative mindset, right? And and very boring uh backline uh you know, stop them from scoring, so then we don't have to kick many goals. But they don't kick many goals either. You know, it's a very no, boring. Don't. It's a very boring and a very negative style of play, and that's the way he played his footy, right? And and there's success in that. Like Mick Malthouse had great success with having great backlines, but he also had the best midfields. You know, goal kicking midfielders and and like a couple of spearheads that would kick, you know, fifty to eighty goals. You know, so you still got to kick goals. Um, yes, I agree. You've got to have a, a tight defence, but I think you know the results are showing. You know that ain't cutting it, mate. So you know you you, you do have to review uh, what you're doing there if you're not well winning games. If you if you're not in the top, if you're not aiming to be first of all solidifying yourself in the top eight yep. and then the top four, well then what are you doing? That's the question. If, if you're not having success to get there into that top four, well. The, the the game is telling you to do something, something different. Yeah. yeah, do something different. But do you look at it and go, well, you know, I've always been, when I watch football and I watch, you know, because a lot of players now, have, you know, a lot of, sorry, other way around, a lot of the coaches were players. And I've always been a massive, I've always thought the way that they played is the way that they coach. So if you look at the way that Dimmer played, hard, honest, do what you have to do, smart. 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 How's Richmond yeah. playing? Exactly the same way. Same way with Clarkson. He wasn't, you know, when he was at Melbourne, when he was at North. Cheeky little bastard. Cheeky, but <laughs> He's tough, a great coach. Tough. I, I, he's, he's a bit unique, though. He's a bit unique. I, I, I think... I don't know many coaches that yeah, come he, out and sit in front of their playing group yeah, and yeah, write yeah, a yeah. song about their players and is willing to open themselves up yeah, like he, that. He's, he's very unique, Clarkson. I mean, he'll go down as one of the greatest coaches ever, but spent a lot of time and effort on his personal development as well. Um, you know, did his apprenticeship, you know, well in some really good programs. Won premierships as an assistant coach, won him as a player. Um, did he win a pl- as a player? No, I don't think he won at North. No, he wasn't there. At no, North, he wasn't. Was he? At okay, North. okay. Oh, I know he decided that. to put Ian okay. Aiken's draw across the other side of his uh, <laughs> face in oh, the I, Battle of Britain. Do you know, <laughs> I got reported for headbutting him. I got a. I wish you I had a headbutted him were harder too. you on your knees too. when you headbutted him? Because he's not exactly <laughs> no, the tallest No, well, he sort bloke. of got in my face and he jumped up and I sort of put my head down to sort of push him at the same time. But I've got a lot of respect for Clarko. Yep. I, I've got the utmost respect for him as a player. Uh, uh, not as a player, but as certainly as a as coach. coach. Where he is right now. Um, and he's just a lovely person too. I, I actually, um, I mean, he's a Christian. Not that that makes any difference, but I think it says something about his, his morals and ethics. Yep. Um, uh, and I, I, I really admire. I really, he's a real role model of mine in leadership. Yep. Uh, I, I can't speak highly enough of him. And what he's achieved at Hawthorne has been nothing short of spectacular. He'll go down as one. He'll go down as a Jock McHale type coach of the modern era. But what, what yeah. is it about the lead? Like you mentioned, leadership. What is it about his leadership that just happens to just, just draw people in? Like he, he, he has the knack of saying he empowers people. He, he I, I think he empowers people. Like you have a look at the guys that he's had that he's empowered and will go on and make good coaches. And everyone wants Hawthorne players in their team, don't they? Hawthorne players or Hawthorne 
yeah. uh, assistance yeah. because yeah. You, you look at it and he has the knack of taking players that yeah. probably either didn't get the best out of themselves or the club didn't get the best out of them and happened yeah. to draw to That's draw right. them in. That's David right. Hale, yep. um, Brian Lake, Jared, Jared Impey's down there now. We've got Burgoyne across. He just happens to see something and say, we what want about you. Stuart Jew? I want you. Stuart what Jew about Stuart Jew? Played the greatest what, what 10 about, minutes in a grand final. But what about what about seeing something in a short, fat, strong kicking left footer? And but see, this is the key. I and, and I'm experiencing this. I'm playing with this concept uh, as a baseball coach. Yeah. So I coached juniors this year, yep. both at state level and club level. And uh, uh, you know, just believing in kids, just believing in them. Just telling them they can do it. That have a go at it. Don't worry about making a mistake. Have a red hot crack. And if you ma- if you if you fail, that's all right. What did you learn? You know. And and then, you know, the team that I coached at at club level. This is baseball we're talking yeah, here, folks. That's just uh, getting away from football just for a second, but yeah, to explain the principle, I reckon what Clarko does really really well. We didn't win a game in our under eighteen uh, club level team um, in the highest level. We're playing in the state league right and so they're playing against all the best kids in the state and we didn't win a game before christmas after the christmas break we came back and we didn't lose a game <laughs> how come what was the difference um, well the penny i think the penny dropped i think you know like they got sick of losing like they were playing some good baseball but still losing and in fact after christmas we i mean we played some games better than we did pre-christmas and lost and then we were just rolling into victories after christmas and i think they realised that they're not going to get yelled at if they make a mistake. They, let's have a crack at it. Let's, and they just found this inner confidence. But it was, it was an environment that we set up and we're just relentless in building their confidence and saying, you can do it. I believe in you. You can do this. And putting them in situations to succeed or fail, but yeah. challenging, challenging them to have a crack and coming through. And then they go, hey, I can do this. And then when you do that all together, you experience synergy. So you've got nine guys, and in football, 18. But yep. when you've got nine guys all on the same page, all of a sudden you can't be stopped. You know, one plus one equals 11 when you've got everyone buying in. And I think Clarkson really sells the dream really well. He, he, he believes in you. He sells the dream. And everyone's on board and aligned to that goal. Um, and when you do that, it's a very powerful dynamic, man. And I think he's done that exceptionally well. And I think he combines his, you know, spirit. This only I, I don't know this for sure, but I, I think he combines his his morals and ethics or his spirituality yep. with the principles of giving people confidence and selling them on a on a big picture goal that everyone buys into. And then it's really easy when you do that. It's really easy when you do that. And, and I think even the, the bigger fascinating aspect of it is, is that you know we said you know would you rather be playing football twenty years ago or now? One thing you guys didn't have to deal with at that stage was this whole social media, the whole yeah. Facebook, well, the whole Twitter, the whole your 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 if you got feedback, negative feedback, if we would say it would come from what your coaches, the supporters over the fence, oh, yeah. maybe the reporters. But outside of, and maybe if you're walking down the sheet. Like, that was still a pressure cooker. It is. Yeah, that was still a lot of pressure, man. But now it is Mm. just, it's 24-7 everywhere. But everything evolves. Like, everything, like, here's the thing. Sex as an AFL footballer has always been fantastic. I'm here to tell you, right? (laughs) But I'm so jealous that, you know, we've got Tinder and all these. Like, I'd probably be dead of AIDS. Like... (laughs) 
Do you know what I'm saying? Like they've got it so much better now, but and it's how like they've this generation of of player and and they're only kids. Right? They're only they are only kids. As I was only a kid, yep. you know, going through. I mean, when you're in your, I mean, you're still twenty, mid twenties, you know, late twenties. I mean, that's you're still very young, right? Uh, but the players they evolve and they adapt to their conditions. Yep. So. You know, I think it's really fun. Like, I reckon it'd be really fun to be an AFL footballer right now. I think it, as it was back then too, it was really fun back then too. Um, and I think the pressure is commensurate with the era. Do you know uh, what I mean? Yeah. It, it's it it, it 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 it's as much as it can be, given the circumstances. So you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's in parity. So it's in parity from when it correct. was. Correct. That's a good word. Yeah. Yep. Good choice. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yes. Um, so <laughs> let's go back, like you said, because, um, you know, look at Jesse. And oh, actually, one other thing I'll ask you about, mm. and I don't know, how, the whole mental health side yeah. of things. Um, yep. It seems to be out it, of control. It, it, whether it's out of control from the perspective of. I think it's out of control. Out of control from the, of the actual occurrences yeah. or out of control of using it as a reason slash excuse for something occurring. Yeah. No, uh, both. Both? Both. Yep. I think it's... I think it's related... I, I certainly think it's related to social drugs. Yep. And I think it's also related to the environment that we're bringing our kids up in. You know, very soft. Very soft. Yep. Very non-resilient. Um, not being able to, you know, deal with just the normal uh, stresses of and expectations of that level i mean you know it's f well and good to get paid 800 grand a year to play footy it's game mm. and here's an insider tip for you they do it for nothing they'll take the money but they do it for nothing it's an honor and a privilege right um and with that you're sort of selling your soul a little bit you sort of sell your you're selling your privacy yep uh you, you sell your you know um individual rights a little bit like you you owe it to the fan base to be accessible because they're paying your way the only reason you're worth 800 grand is because people will pay money to watch you play on all mediums and the mediums are making huge money from you creating the market and people are the only reason you're worth that money is because people are paying for that right mm. and so you got to service you got to service them <laughs> in multiple <laughs> you've got to be so accessible you've got to be accessible and, and there's and, and like so, okay so then you, you, you've got to have mechanisms in place and I think you know spirituality uh, you know being grounded um, having uh, tools of de-stressing and being able to handle stress uh, you've got to have those tools I think they're really sadly lacking I, I think they're getting better at that though um, because an outlet is social drugs because you know, this is how they let their hair down and it's relatively cheap for them um, and it, it's a way of ignoring the pressures. It's a, it's a way of dulling or numbing yep. from, from, the, from the pressures. And I, and I think a lot of this depression stuff, you know, particularly when they're taking these, um, you know, um, ice and uh, MDMA and cocaine and these things that really boost your endorphins and you know dump serotonin onto your system and all this kind of thing you know you feel fantastic but then there's a price to pay and the price to pay is the opposite feeling of yep. that which is depression yeah right and so i think that there's an aspect of that in there 
um, and and how that how we're bringing our kids up. You know, lack of uh, resilience and and stress dealing with techniques and tools and you know. I think, look, we have a look at Dusty Martin. You know, like he's so ahead of the game. Like he meditates. He's a meditator. Yep. That is a, I mean, that will come more and more into into play um, as as elite sport and, and the pressure builds up for elite sports people because it's, it's just a wonderful tool to manage stress uh, and improve performance. Well, they have to let the pressure out somehow yeah. don't they yeah 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 and i think dusty i mean the way he goes about his business like the way he gets scragged and pulled down behind play and going for the ball and all this and like he does blow out at times but if that was me now i don't know how he how he controls no. his temper so well and the only way i can say it is he's incredibly disciplined but also i think that comes down to his the tools that he's been shown through meditation and and uh and and just his ability to regulate his emotions um and access you know the the frontal cortex yep. of his brain and make would you say rational he's always decisions. been like that though no i wouldn't when he first started no, i wouldn't i wouldn't, wouldn't say i, I like think that. he's evolved i think he's the perfect warrior you know like it, I, you know even just re-watching the game the other night you know last night just seeing and appreciating the stuff that you missed the first time through you know the the how hard he goes for the ball that contests he creates the the balls that he dishes out the decisions he makes when he gets the ball um is just i, I you know i fall in love more he's <laughs> the funny. more i watch you he's know? funny if you if you showed you know if you're a young lady and you showed mum look this is the guy i'm going out with and you showed him a photo of him in his footy gear with all his tats you'd be like stay away from him <laughs> yet you probably get to know him and yeah. she'll be like yeah yeah hang on to this one yeah yeah he's He's got a lot of wonderful character traits, you know, like he's very loyal, um, disciplined, hardworking, uh, controls his emotions, um, but he's aggressive. Yep. You know, he's that right amount of aggressive. Um, you know, I, I'd say, I can say that about a lot of the guys, you know, right now at Richmond, which, you know, it's hard not to love the team at the moment. Does he get a so. bit of, does he get a bit of the old uh, victim by association just from some of his mates and so forth? That he gets a bit of a rap over that in your eyes, because for me, I think you know what he do, you, you know I think I, what he does better than most. He just doesn't buy into that. It, it, like you can have your opinion, yeah. And he just keeps going about his business. He just that's doesn't he just doesn't he just, care. Or I don't he think he buys. Leave. I don't think he buys into it. I, I just don't like you can. He he could not. <laughs> to me, it, he comes across as he just does not care what you think. Because you're not in his circle, you don't matter to him. So think what you want. He'll stab you with a chopstick, you know. Like, <laughs> no, no. But see, I think he's miles away from that. I think he's miles away from that incident now. I, I think he's such a different animal right now. And I think, I think he just doesn't. He couldn't care. And I think that's true of the group too. I just don't think they care what you think of them, you know. And I think he could care less. But do you reckon he's one of those things that, in, in his case, and probably with a lot of them, is that look, from the outside, we don't care. But mm. if you earn our trust, yeah. we'll put our yeah. arms around you and yeah. we're happy to... Yeah, 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 absolutely. And getting a bit of an insight, so um, Jake King and I have sort of become a bit closer. A lot, we were never teammates, Jake King, but he and I did the Tommy Hafey lunch uh, last year, about three quarters of the way through last year. And we got on stage and there was a bit of a magic sort of happened like yep. we played off each other really well and there was an understanding and you know i sort of bore my heart a little bit and he, he's sort of typical of jake 
big heart, uh, very loyal, you know, metaphorically put his arm around me and protected me sort of thing. And there was a lot of opportunity for humour, which we took. Yeah. And, uh, and then outside of that, we've caught up a couple of times and I actually had him on my pilot podcast. Yep. Uh, and he was happy to do it. Like, you know, he's just such a giving and, and sharing guy. And, and he's quite close with, with Dusty. And, uh, you know, when you know him like that, the shady side of what they are up to just sort of doesn't come into it, you know, because it's not my world and nor would they drag me into that. You know what I mean? Like it's whatever they do is their business. Um, you know, he, he's he's a really successful businessman, Jake King. You know, you want to see his tattoo parlor. You know, uh, it's a beautiful establishment. They're doing great work. They've got some fantastic artists there. Um, and if you're looking for a tattoo, <laughs> get down to uh, get Jake's establishment down there in uh, Clarendon Street. It's... You know, he's doing a fantastic job. And, um, you know, talking with Jake, you get a real insight to to those kind of guys. You know, they're just very loyal. Um, they're, they're such good friends. You know, they're, yeah. they're, they're, they're the kind of guys that you want. If if you wanted someone to be at your back while you're having to fight your way out of somewhere, they're the ones. You'd, want, you'd want him. And I'm you know, sitting here and I'm looking at you right yeah. now and I can see it yeah. in, in your face and oh. the smile. And yeah, that I've got mate so bearing in mind jake and i were not teammates but we're brothers in arms we we are we are brothers in the tigers you know and uh you know i've got all the time in the world for that kid he's uh, he's fantastic he's he's a really good guy you, you mentioned drugs and <laughs> no 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 i'm not going to go down that route well, well, you well i will i will i told you there was no holds barred but I'll, so because I'm, I'm a bit fascinated but the, the question is another thing that a lot of people you know which seems to be a bit of a scourge amongst Maybe the players, because they've got time off right, yeah. and they've got access to so much money, is the gambling side of things. Right. Do you right. think that's as... It, it seems to be that, you know, it's, you know uh, Christensen from Brisbane came out and said he's basically... He, he virtually lost all everything that he earned. Mm, really? Because of the gambling. Yeah, last week in the paper. Yeah, really. I'd say I don't um, read the paper a lot. Don't read the paper. Don't, <laughs> mate, there's not much in there. A, I'll be frank, shame. there's not much in there. But, you know... Um, I've had uh, Daniel that's Ward from Melbourne's lost the money from gambling. It seems to be that because of the access to it. These days, you know, you know we go back, you had to walk down. Once again, you had to walk down yeah. to a tab, sure. put a punt on. These days, you can just whip out your phone and choose from any of the different providers. Sure, sure. But, you know, it, like gambling's been going on in this environment for, I mean, time immemorial. Yep. I mean, you know, Jack Collins at at Footscray used to keep the form guide in in his footy socks and you know check the check the winners as they came up on the scoreboard <laughs> you know yeah. uh you know it, so gambling i mean there's this competitive i i, I don't know there, there seems to be a correlation to hyper competitive alpha males and oh well not necessarily necessarily just that i mean amongst all population but you know there's there's a there's a type of personality type yep type. there's a personality type in that environment that's really competitive and you know just loves the loves the excitement of the potential of financial gain yep. on on a sporting event yep you know um and it's not it's not isolated to f football you know we see it in baseball professional baseball um all sports yep um and it's through society too it's not I th and i think it probably runs about the same percentage it's just that when you've got more money, you can bet more. You can bet more. You know, and yep. uh, and and as you said, you did mention that 
you know, there are a lot more opportunities to gamble. And look, I've never been a gambler, but but, but but that said, um, because of the apps, um, I'll only ever bet on things that I know, and I won't bet every week. But because I've got an app, and it's That's so convenient, yeah, yeah. But I'm really disciplined with it. Um, I'll only ever bet on football. Yep. Um, and I won't bet every week. I'll just if if I like a round that I think. You know, it's paying low odds, but I just, you know, I won a few hundred bucks last year. Yep. Just a few hundred. Yep. I don't bet very much, but won, um, you know, a few hundred bucks on certain rounds that yep. I just thought was a, you know, a, a, I just felt the teams were up and about. Yep. Um, and I will bet pretty regularly on Major League Baseball yep. and Korean Baseball. Korean Baseball. Yeah, Korean Baseball. Yep. My wife's Korean. Yeah. And okay. we go to Korea a couple of times a year. So, um, you know, they've got a professional league over there that... I love it. That's just growing over there, isn't oh, it? Look, it's huge. Um, the Hanwha Eagles is our team, and and my wife's from Daejeon, and they're they're located in Daejeon. Yep. So, I mean, it's I mean, so spectacular. Uh, so I'll bet on the Korean baseball, and I'll bet on mixed martial arts because I, I love the mixed martial arts as well. So UFC. Well, I'm not too so. sure if you've heard the news that <laughs> just as I was in the car coming here, that Conor McGregor has retired from the UFC. That is no joke. So once we finish this, you can go and check it yeah, out. Yeah, well, uh, you know what I'm saying to that? He's probably holding out for money. Yeah. So he, 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 he's not going to. I think, I think that what they were saying is, is that the next pay-per-view that he was going to be fighting in was going to be, he was going to co-headline and he wanted to solely headline it and they've just been punching on. Right. But apparently he's done this That's, before. Yeah, and then, he has. He has, yeah. So, and, and look, I think when you're Conor McGregor, <laughs> he commands, he like, he, he really... It, he really paved the way for a lot of the other fighters, you know, and yeah. they're, they're reaping the benefits of it right now. Um, and he's such a, a great self-marketer. He doesn't uh, give a shit. A, a he perfect shit care. talker. He, he is just, a perfect shit talker. I can talker. sit there and just watch <laughs> him shit talk people. <laughs> and it's all... Hilarious. Like, it's, it's, all, it's hilarious. It's hilarious. And, it's he, hilarious. and the, I think the way... Actually, I'll ask you a question on that. Shit talkers. Ben Askren. Who was the best shit talkers that when you were playing football? <laughs> who were the ones that you just stood back and you just, whether oh, it was played a, with or played against, that you would just go, yeah, yeah that wasn't too bad. I like that. I, I need to f just finish this thought. Okay, ben Askren, who's just come into the UFC yep. as a wrestler, he is a master shit talker. He's just so real. Um, but shit talkers in uh, in the AFL, I used to like um, back in the day. Yeah. Uh, Craig Kelly, his name come up again. He was a good shit talker. Yeah. He, he, he was. Uh, I enjoyed him. Mick McGuan was a good shit talker. Yep. As well. Uh, who else? Um, Steve Collinook from the Bulldogs is a good shit talker because he's, he's hilarious. Former, he was one of my former coaches. Is that out right? of East Keela Football yeah. Club a number Steve, of years ago? He's a he was a great footballer, Steve Collinook. Um, but also a fantastic shit talker. Mark Hunter. Yep. Kenny Hunter from the Bulldogs is a great shit talker. Yep. <laughs> and funny. Um, from the opposition, uh, there was a good, there was a heap of good shit talkers from North Melbourne through that era. And they were just so cocky because they could be. They, they could be. They could be. And, and Anthony Rock. He's a good shit talker. Is, do you find a it's a little guy. man syndrome yeah. a little bit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, I mean, he was a champion too, Anthony Rock. He was, he was, we were teammates in the Teal Cup. Um, actually, all of us, Steve Collinook uh, and, and Anthony Rock and Jose Romero and That's going and back all these a long guys. time now. Yeah, but uh, those guys, they were very good shit talkers. Like, Anthony Rock, I loved his stuff because he was, he was funny too, you know. Um, and a really good teammate, by the way. You know, yeah. I, I'm sure he... he 
his teammates loved him when he was playing for North Melbourne, but I loved being a teammate of him with the Victorian team, you know, the Teal Cup team. He was, yep. he was very, very good. Um, yeah, so there was some good shit talkers out there. Uh, uh, this is actually something I didn't plan for, but when you mentioned Teal Cup and rep footy, so mm. actually getting players yeah. together. Yeah. Do you think that's something that, obviously the AFL don't do it anymore. Uh, it's NRL, a shame. It's, uh, NRL yeah. does it every year and you can just see... Yeah, they're, they're probably the, the class of the... the, the cl- yeah. Why? What? What? Because is yeah. it purely a money thing? Is it purely that clubs don't want their players to get injured? I don't know because I. You know, the I was players love it. The players love it. I I was very close uh, to playing uh, state footy. Yep. Um. And uh, I I didn't at at senior level, but I would have given my you know left knacker. To play, do it. Um, to play state footy. I would have loved the big V. So the players love it. Um, I think some don't. And I know the clubs don't. The clubs do not like it. I know the clubs and the coaches. Because know, they I don't mean, want their players yeah. getting it. And I think the, outwardly the coaches say they support it. But I think there's a part of them that's saying, I hope they don't go ahead with it. And I know certainly the administration of the clubs wouldn't, wouldn't like it. it as well. Um, and I think the AFL would like it. Um, and and you know what? Like the Australian team, the All Australian team, that's a massive honour, man. Yeah. Like that is, uh, you know, the players love that shit. Like they do. The, the players love yeah. that, man. I I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I'm not sure how they feel about or how all of them feel about playing in it because and you know because a few of them miss with injury and stuff like that. But you know when for your first couple. You know, I reckon it's a buzz. Oh, and I think they love it. And I, I think that's I think a thing that love it. frustrates a lot of. Because I remember growing up, Tuesday afternoon, Vicks be playing WA. You get home from school, yeah, you throw the yeah. throw <laughs> the TV on, and you and you'd yeah. see them running around, yeah, yeah, and not yeah. just yeah. you know your players from your team, but you just see them get together. And yeah. if you ever speak yeah. to players who had that opportunity to play yeah. um, uh, for the Vicks or yeah. for South Australia, and, and you hear them at sportsmen's night, that that is like. Yeah. That is up there because... Well, what about, you know, when... And, and Teddy Whitten sort of really drove that... Um, oh. that, w- that was a well, golden era. he was era. Mr. Football, wasn't that was a, That was a golden era for state footy, um, the state of origin footy. And I think um, when... And there were so many superstars too. Like, I remember going to the MCG and there was 90... 000, I was one of 90,000 people there. And they were playing Lockett. And Jason Dunstall out of the square. Lockett, Dunstall, a- and Ablett. Ablett was there as well. Yeah, Dermy. You now, know, like there was 90,000 there, but you know. I'm, I'm tipping there's like half a million Victorians who said they were at that game. Because I was there too. <laughs> but no, I, I was there, man. Like, I was there in my... In my uh, in your big V? Yeah, in my, uh, uh, in my Teal Cup jersey, you know. And we were sitting up in the nosebleed seats. Uh, and the and the ground was really muddy. It wasn't a it wasn't a great track no. that day. But the Vicks smoked them. Like, but that you know we just had so many. I mean, they were superstar gods of the game. Those guys, yep. you know, there was and and all of them didn't want to let Teddy down. No, now they all wanted to play, and that was a golden era for. But yeah, if, and, 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 I, and I think that's one of the biggest shames because, from a supporter's perspective, they've got this AFLX stuff that they run around with. Oh, players can play that. They've got this international rules gully football thing that the players run around with, but they can't play state of origin. And I think that oh, there's it's no a there's no there's a scheduling. I think it's a is it a, a scheduling tough, thing or is it an excuse? Because I think it's a tough scheduling thing, you know, because the players 
do need rest as well. Um, and look, you can say the rugby league don't care, but the nature of their game's different. It's a different game. It's a different game. They don't play as long. Um, and they're just running into each other. You know, like the contact is so, you know, they're not running nearly as much, yeah. right? And they're running into each other and it's more manageable. Like uh, with um, Paul Ruse when he had the Swans, yep. when he played that game, bruise footy, you know, like close in, yep. pack to pack sort of footy. And they played, uh, playing them was like playing in quicksand. And so they closed the game down um, and they recovered really well from it because you can rec- you can recover from bruises, yep. you know, so it knocks and bruises, but it's the running with the contact that sort of gets you. And the change, right? of di- they don't have that massive change of direction or no, getting hit. No, they they no, know no, it's coming no. from front on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you have a look at the knees that are being done at the moment. And a lot of the knees that are being done are really inconspicuous. Mm. Uh, I know when Levy did, I was at the game when Levy did his knee last year, and that was just running alongside one of the Bulldogs players and just foot went one way and gone. Ran, even Rancy's where he's just, his leg's just gone down. What did you think about Lever moving, uh, changing teams? Uh, that whole well, he went to my team, so I was, right, right, I was wrapped. Right, right, right. Um, I was wrapped. She's didn't the Crows give him shit? Yeah. And you know what? So be it. That they gave him shit. Yeah, I don't, I don't agree with that. He, I, I reckon that's I, I think there was sour gra- I think there was a lot of sour grapes yeah. with that because they just played in a grand final the year before. Yeah. It was his I think it might have been second And he was one of their better players. And he was one of their way. better players yeah, in that absolutely. and he's gone, I'm leaving. I think that they were they were pretty dirty for that and I can understand it. Really? But I, thi- I can understand it, but I reckon if you were... But I don't like the way that Tex came out and yeah. bagged him publicly, yeah. etc. Yeah, I think I there's stuff that needs to stay, stay That's what out I of the media. And you know what? You're professionals, man. Like, you're professionals, so back off, man. He's He's got a... He's doing what he feels best. Yeah. And he's got to, because you're in the game for a millisecond, mm, right? But I didn't and see so him um, bagging, bagging no, Eddie did. Betts when he came over to Adelaide or, yeah. or Bryce Gibbs. Look, and, I, and I think that's the thing. Like, if you're willing to have your arms open getting it, yeah. you've got to understand that's it. The, the way nature. that you want the market to be like this, this, yeah. is, this is going to happen. Yeah. And you know, it's the same and thing. He's a Victorian kid. So what do you what expect? Do you expect? But yet the, the Crows, and the interesting thing is, is that we had the two young blokes from Adelaide go up to the Gold Coast in the last draft. Adelaide came basically out and said, well, in two years, we'll, we'll get them back. Yeah. So, th- so they're pretty much doing the same thing, but the other way. And, that, and that's frustrating for, for Gold Coast too. I've always, I've always had a low opinion of South Australians. Always. Oh, they, they call them the Mexicans <laughs> for one reason, don't they? Pretty understandable. Uh, no, I'm only um, joking. I want to ask you a question. Um, you were talking about drugs before. Yes, we were talking about drugs. All right. Just to pull you back. Just to pull me back. Um, uh, look, you were the first, was it the first AFL player to be done for To be performance? done for, yeah. yeah. To be done for, or yep. would you say caught yep. for performance-enhancing drugs? Yep. How did that all come about? So, I mean, this is all sort of old ground. Um but basically, um, oh God, you know, how it all come about was, you know, the season before, it come off a really good season, probably a breakout season in many respects. So that was 2000 and... No, no, nope. no, 96. 96. 96. And, that's, and that's where you come, you polled 17... Yeah, third vo- in the Brownlow, yep. Third in the so, Brownlow, 17 so, votes. Yep, so four votes off winning it. I've got that right? written down here. Yep, right. So... <laughs> And 
Um, so many things just went right. Had a great pre-season. Um, and Robert Walls, it was Robert Walls' first year. And he, and I've always been a hard worker, a hard trainer. And uh, Robert Walls just lauded me for it. And, um, you know, really used me as an example that, you know, this is the attitude you've got to have. And uh, this reward for effort, he's going to get a really good reward for yep. the amount of effort he's put in. And um, I actually won the first ruck roll. Um, because Greg Deer was sort of coming to the end of his career and he couldn't do the same amount of work as I was doing. And I was hungry to establish myself with a new coach because I'd only just come to the club the year before with John Norley. So I'd already established myself with a new coach and I was fretting, you know, that with the new coach coming in, I had yep. to go through the process all again. So instead of cracking the shits about it or, or you know, taking a negative attitude towards it, I thought I'll just work harder. Yep. You know, and I'll, I'll, win, I'll win him over just with my work ethic. And yep. And, and it worked. It, uh, you know, he, he, he gave me a lot of opportunities, did Ballsy. And, and to this day, I mean, I've had a lot of... I mean, I've been blessed with how many fantastic coaches I've had. You know, Mick Moldhouse, Terry Wheeler, you know, John Northey, Robert Walls. Um, you know, these guys are just wonderful teachers and wonderful coaches of the game. You know, just, you know, really good people. And Wolsey gave me a real opportunity to be first ruck mm -hmm. and I took it with both hands yep. I, pardon the pun and, and you know just got off to a flying start um, my fitness was through the roof um, it just got great momentum just great momentum and uh, and I look I, I had this um, I had this motto that I will you know with the new coach coming in I've got to have a, a plan and so I was going to be the best prepared player in the AFL. I was going to train harder than anyone else. Um, I was going to do exactly what the coach said. So impress him with the ability to carry out his instructions yep. to the letter, right? should do that anyway, right? <laughs> well, <laughs> <but> <laughs> if you want to be there next year. Yeah, but I mean, you know, it's funny how people will take, you know, players will take the instruction and do their interpretation of what the coach reckons instead of exactly. They, they overcomplicate it for the sake for right. the sake of it. Right, yep, right. I get it, yep. And then the third thing that I was going to do, I was going to base my whole game around one percenters. Yep. And I figured that if I immersed myself in tackling, shepherding and spoiling, yep. um, that that would form a platform that my teammates would love having me in the team. Yep. Um, and it really worked. It, it got me to so much of the footy um, and they kept track of all those one percenters and I would win that. Me and Chris Bond would be far and away the leaders in shepherds and tackles yep. and spoils, right? And so it was this one-on-one -on -one duel between me and Chris Bond to win the um, one percenters for the week. Yep. And we'd just accumulate tons of them. But what it also did for me was I went from being a 10 possession a game sort of ruckman forward, kicking a goal or so a game, yep. to a 15-20 possession player with 10 marks and two goals a game, you know? And so my work rate went through the roof, my one percenters went through the roof, and my involvement in the game went through the roof. And so the more I gave to the team, unselfishly, the more I was getting back. And so the commentators started noticing and you know, the crowd started noticing and, you know, and it, and it was this interesting dynamic. The more I gave to the team, the more I was getting back individually. And, and we were having a pretty successful year too. We missed out, just missed out on the finals. 
by a game. We we needed to beat North Melbourne in the last in round twenty two, and I that was the best game I've ever played in my life. I, I, I played like I was trying to win it myself. When was the last time you watched that game? Uh, <laughs> oh, I couldn't tell you. It would have been at least a decade. It'll, it'll probably be tonight. <laughs> No, I, I, I was there. I don't need to. You don't need to. No, I don't need to watch. I was there. I can remember it vividly. Yep. Um, and uh, so I fell into this extraordinary season of just giving to my team and just being, you know, rewarded. And um, at the end of the year, uh, you know, Wolsey, Wolsey loved it because I'd just do whatever he told me to do. I was just, I was just this wind-up robocop, away you go. Mm-hmm. And um, anyways, uh, the end of the season came around. The Brownlow medal count is on and the club gets five invitations for the club leaders. Yep. And the AFL invites three, four, five players that have polled well. Yep. Well, I got an invite as one of those that (laughs) polled well, right? So all of a sudden, now it didn't dawn on me it didn't dawn on. I just thought, oh, cool, invite to the Brownlow. Donna and I are off, right? right? Free, free uh, grog, new, a meal, new, and new girlfriend. We'll yep, new girlfriend. This is going to be impressive, right? And uh, to take her along to that, and um, so we go along to the Brownlow. You know, just naive. I didn't dawn on me that I must have polled well. That uh, that's the reason that would have why. Invited yeah, you. I was just, it was just naivety. I don't know. Yeah. So I get there, and. It turns out to be the Justin Charles show. So they just start <laughs> they reading. Yeah, they start reading out, reading out my name on a regular basis, and it gets three quarters of the way through. And Wolsey hands me a pen and goes, "Son, you better write something down here. You, you'll win this because we knew the games we had coming to go. up. Yep. Yeah, and and it was this spectacular. Time stood still. I was a bit drunk, and I sobered up like that, and um, I started thinking of. You know, my dad and how he used to go down for a kick down at North Footscray and on the off nights of training and work on the, you know, the finer points that you don't work on at footy training, you know, snapping the ball back from the boundary line, the top of the square, you know, evasive moves yep. and, you know, all this kind of thing. And I I started going through my speech in my head, what I'd say and honouring my parents. Yep. And in that moment, I'd won it, you know, and, and history says that I fell four votes short and Michael Voss and James Hurd won it. But that night, it was like I'd won it. It was like I won it. You know, Stan Alves came up from St. Kilda and go, oh, I knew you had, had, had that season in you. And, and Terry Wheeler came up and he was like, oh, well done, son. You did really well. And, and then there was an after party at the casino and every, <laughs> every sporting celebrity in the world was wanted there. To like, know, wanted to Yeah, but like, and that was like a, a real eye-opener because like, the awesome force and we're there and James Tonkins come up and goes, Oh, well done, Justin. That was a really good. And I'm like, what? Hold on. The awesome foursome knows me. <laughs> knows me. You know, like, the, and it was just this like amazing night. Like it, it was like Disneyland for adults. Right. And, um, then this toxic mentality sort of set in after that. Right. Cause it was two weeks of just, I was slaughtered for two weeks. Right. Drunk. And, um, Anyways, uh, I needed surgery on my uh, on my finger. I tore the tendon off my finger um, in round 16 and played the last 
seven games with injections yep. and stuff like that. I wasn't going to miss any games, yep. and lucky I didn't. Um, <laughs> but it, it destroyed my finger, so I had to have surgery and um, had other niggles just through playing 22 playing games. playing the game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and my body was a mess. Because that was the most games you played in a season, that 1996, yeah, yeah, 22. 22. Yep, 22. And so... Body was destroyed, and uh, instead of taking time off, I get straight back into training because I'm thinking I'm going to come into preseason even fitter, right? So I didn't take any time off, and um, thinking that if I could nearly win the Brownlow this year, maybe if I work extra hard, what and and do? whereas I was doing the one percenters unselfishly and got recognition, maybe if I was a little bit more selfish, maybe I could win it. Yeah, right. And Wolsey said something. And it was offhand, it was off the cuff, and he was only being nice, you know? Yeah. But he said, and I, I, he didn't say it to me directly, right? But he, I overheard walking past his office, he said, because when I started training, I, I started breaking down. I started getting muscle tear injuries, and I was missing a bit of training here and a bit of training there, and I couldn't get a run at it, right? And uh, so training goes on, and I, I got cut feet from down the beach from shells and oh, got infected yep. and okay. it's just one thing after another right and every time i come back i'd come back too early i was just it was fucked right and what compounded it was that walsey goes geez justin's had a really broken pre-season here it's a shame he's going to miss the start of the season because we win more when he plays you know when he's in the team we, we and it was an off the cuff sort of thing you know that like I'm, I'm in the best 18 is all he was trying to say so that year sorry that year in 96 do you remember where richmond ended up on the later that year? ninth ninth yeah just out of the finals just for something different <laughs> fuck off we've fucking won every fucking <laughs> that we've finished on top the last two years you moron yeah, but <laughs> not touchy about no, that one no, am no, i no 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 <laughs> it is that it is that yeah, yeah no. Nah, but well, so chris so so it's it's just this to whole toxic selfish mentality that i've started to go down this rabbit yeah. hole right and I'm thinking I've got muscle tear injuries. Fuck, I've got to get back because I've got financial commitments, you know, mm -hmm. a boost in my contract. And if I don't play, I'm not going to hit my bonuses and all this kind of thing. Um, and I really didn't think too much about it. I thought, well, it's a medical drug. Steroids are medical drugs. You can take them if, you, if you've got a prescription. But they're performance enhancing. So, but I'm only going to do it to get out. And I did it pre, well, it was pre-Christmas you know, just to try and get over my muscle tear injuries. And it didn't really work that much anyway. It didn't really work that well anyway. I healed my muscle tear injuries, but because I hadn't got the running conditioning yep. under my belt, it, you know, the, you know the, the muscles were strong, but the tendons and the ligaments weren't uh, conditioned as well. And so it was sort of a false cure other than, you know, I just needed time. I need a rest is what I needed. And so I thought, you know, taking steroids would help me overcome my injuries. And it's a fucking stupid thing to do. Um, and even at the time, I thought, if I get busted, I'll just tell the truth, which yep. I did. Yep. Because uh, I thought it was no big deal. They'll understand. <laughs> big mistake. <laughs> big mistake. Because I, d I took so little of it. If I had have protested it, if I had have denied it, they would have had a tough time proving that it wasn't inadvertent. Yep. In... in some sort of dosing uh, in some supplement or meat or whatever um you know so i would have had a tough time proving because it was so little but i was naive i just thought well i had a strategy if i got caught I, I would tell the truth um so but even the afl and asada would agree that it wasn't in performance enhancing 
uh, doses. Do you know at, what I mean? At that stage, or even at that stage, at where, that stage. When, I, when I was tested, yeah, um, and I was tested in uh, before the season started yep. in uh, late March, early April. So before the season started, yep. so th- everyone had admitted that it was not in performance enhancing doses, right? But it was in there, so it was to get me through that preseason, yep. right? And uh, mate, what a mistake! What an absolute mistake! What a what a terrible uh, error in judgment! It's just you know such a a selfish, um, you know, uh, terrible thing to do. Did Chris, did someone come to you and say, "Look, I can help you"? Or did no, you go no, I sort it? it. No, I sort it. I mean, like it's not that hard either. By the way, you know, it's I mean. If if you were looking for it, it's one phone call. You you know someone who can get it. And if you know if you don't you, you know, know you know someone. You know someone. You, know someone. Someone. you but you know someone who could get it for you, like you would. You you would absolutely. It's that that's how easy it is to get. But that's not the point, and that's not even that's not even the it's the diseased mindset to even go down that track, um, thinking you you you're more than what you are, um, panicking. There was no need to panic. Uh, rest is what I needed. Um, yeah, okay, I'll miss the start of the season, but there's still lots of games to go, yep. you know, and um, all this stuff. And it was just from a diseased mindset. And it's a massive regret in my life, a massive regret. Um, you know, when I told my teammates, everyone was in a room, everyone just, there was a meeting called before it was released into the public. And I reckon if team-oriented... You know, the guy that does the right thing, straight as an arrow, right? Um, why is the, you know, doing the right thing? Particularly when it comes to training and football. Yeah. Like, that's how I got to play AFL football, by doing the right thing all the time. And so... By doing the things that most people wouldn't, yeah, wouldn't that, that, do. Correct. Yeah, that's, that's 100%. That is 100% correct. I did the things, you know, when I was growing up as a kid, there were probably five or six other kids that you would pick ahead of me that would make AFL football that were way more talented. Yeah. But they had not the discipline that I had, you know, because I was always doing what was required that most people wouldn't do. And, you know, I guess that burning desire, that's the shadow side of the burning desire. You know, that's the, you know, burning desire is great up to a point, but then morals and ethics have got to come in and stop you going into the shadow. Yeah. You know, so no one at Richmond knew. No, no, I did complete and and you know, the thing that I regret the most, other than I mean, I've co- I've got so many regrets around it. Um, you know that I that I all I even cop shit about it now. I cop shit about it now. That's a massive regret that people don't remember all the good things that I've done in the game and and you know the kids and hospitals that I went and saw and the clinics that I ran and. You know, all, all these things, giving back to the game and being a, you know, signing autographs till my hands fell off and yep. never saying no to an autograph or a photo or anything like this and being a great ambassador for the club and for the league and for the sport. But now that that's what they re- remember me for. And, um, you know, that's a that's a tragedy. That is a fucking tragedy. Because yeah, it's a fucking tragedy. Well, it is because you got 16 weeks for that, didn't you? The AFL gave you, was it 16? 14. 14. Uh, 14. Yeah, sixteen weeks. Yeah, he got right twenty there. years, twenty yeah. plus years. Because if they're still talking about it now, because yeah. I, 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 spe- I yeah. spoke to, I spoke to, um, uh, I spoke to Jamie, who I do my podcast with, and I spoke to a couple of people at work, a couple of mates, and I said, look, I'm, I'm interviewing you, and 
normally they go, well, if they don't know you, how would I describe you? And I'm like, well, he was the first. Oh, okay. Not the guy that came fourth in the Brownlow. And, oh, sorry. Uh, yeah. Th- uh, third in the Brownlow. Sorry. Yeah. Third in Brownlow in yep. 1990. And, that's, and that, that is a shame. Yeah. That, that is a shame. Yeah. yeah it, and and that, that's probably, and it probably weighs on me more, more now, um, you know, that I've more than done my time. More than done my time. And, uh, you know, still people, it's like Lorenzo the goat fucker. You know, he fucks one goat and now he's just Lorenzo the goat fucker. I told that joke in front of at the Tommy Hafey yep. thing and everyone, cr- you know, like, that was hilarious. But yeah, that's what it feels like. And, and um, you know, but it's the side things like embarrassing my team and my teammates, my coach, my medical staff, who had nothing to do with it. Um, you know, Leon Daphne putting him under amazing pressure and the way he handled it was extraordinary in statesmanship and leadership um you know they really looked after me through that period in a tough time and they managed and manipulated that dynamic so well um and then there was um, pardon me there was uh my family you know disappointing and letting my dad and my family down i mean like they didn't do it and yet they cop it, do they? Oh. Yeah. And so um, I feel it. I feel uh, that's. I, I've always taken responsibility for it and I, I keep paying for it. So, um, and I, I, I will never deny it and I will never implicate anyone else because there was no one else to implicate. Um, and I, I hope. I, I wish the the moral of the story was that um, I admitted that I was wrong and that I made a mistake and that I'm really remorseful, that I've done my time and haven't um, I've done it with grace uh, and dignity, and that I've never shied away from talking about it and sharing the lessons from it, and be a lesson in responsibility and, and owning up to your mistakes and and moving forward and making a yeah. fist of it, you know. Um, I'd like to be remembered for that rather than, you know, the, the shadow side of it, which, you know, and I, I think it says more about the people uh, who who give me shit about it. It says more about them yeah. and where they're at, if that's what how they want to, you know, go about things. So, yeah. So usually when you, yeah, when you judge yeah. someone, it says more about you than the yeah. other person. So when you see... But as I said, I told you no holds no, no and, holds barred. And I appreciate and I, it because yeah. when I see... Yeah. X amount of years later, and Essendon. Now, did that? Yeah. What, well, when, when that started to, to how kick interesting. in. How interesting. How interesting that you say, because I've got a real bug in my ass about that. Okay. Yeah, because Let's what we saw bug. with Essendon yep. is now, if I had have taken that tack, right, I probably would have escaped the consequences of the negative consequences because what those dirtbags have done is they've thrown so much mud into the water to cloud it what they have done and what idiot Essendon supporters with their heads in their asses refuse to accept is what they have done is the darkest thing in football that's ever been done it was systematic cheating on such a dark and dubious level and to say that the players were ignorant of it is absolute bullshit they all knew exactly what they were taking because they signed off on it because when they were questioned on it, I'm talking about this today with someone, you know, 
they signed off on it and they knew they they read what they were signing and to say they didn't know and even joe watson went on went on tv and everyone conveniently forgets that he said oh yeah that's exactly what we took he said exactly we took aod AOD nine he said yeah that's exactly what we took and and he admitted it on tv and yet everyone just throws that out and and just says conveniently forgets that and and the fact is that what they took and Essendon idiot Essendon supporters will all say oh well we were never tested positive because there's no test for the stuff that they were taking but you had the drugs and the syringes and all the paraphernalia and all the equipment and you were going off site to do the injections well that's the thing that I was always because and all the records were lost come on man and if they if they were telling the truth right the truth would have set them free if they could produce one of those consent forms that would have got them off because they were saying well we didn't take the illegal stuff well show us the consent form but conveniently they lost all 40 of them come on man give me a spell and then another thing they Essendon fans and and footy public because they just switched off right they switched off there was an article in the paper in February not last year the year before just got back from Korea from snowboarding in uh Mount Muju in, in Korea, and um, there was this double spread, uh, double page interview with James Hurd after he tried to commit suicide over the whole deal. And uh, Danny Corcoran had gone in to visit him, and Danny Corcoran was quoted as saying, You know what, James, we should have just admitted we were wrong, uh, take our penalty and move on. Yep. If we, sh- we should have just accepted responsibility because we made a mistake and move on. And so. What we've got there, that's a confession of guilt. We should have accepted responsibility. And that's exactly what they should have done. They should have, like Kyle Remus come out and dobbed them in because he, he got cut, right? And that's how they found out. So then the AFL goes, hey, Essendon, you got something to tell us? No. Are uh, you sure you haven't got something to tell us? You better self-report. We'll go easier because on you. we've got someone here. Yeah, right. Correct. And they bagged, and if you remember that, he got the shit bagged out of him yeah. by people. That, yeah. He's an idiot. He was enough for you sit down That's the right. back of uh, back No of apologies meetings. to him. Yeah. No, no, nothing along those lines. Right. So, so anyways, uh, what they should have done is just admit they made a mistake, that we've done the darkest thing in football, take their two-year ban, play with replacement players for two years like the uh, Melbourne Storm did. Yep. And they would have been four years down the track to where they are right now. Yep. But they continue to deny and it's fucking bullshit. They knew exactly what they were doing. James Hurd and a lot of them, you know, I've got my theories on on why, you know, the things that have happened to him after in the aftermath. Yep. I think the guilt is eating him up inside. The thing is, when you tell the truth, man, there's no guilt because you've you've released it there's nothing you can say to me that i don't agree with that's you fact can, you, it's you, like you can call me a drug cheat if you like well okay i agree i did cheat and i did use drugs and so what else have you got because uh, chip legrand wrote a great book called the straight dope about that whole sort of right. saga etc right and i remember we went on a family holiday to england i read that book and if you get a chance read it because yeah. it goes through the whole thing Yep. And the thing that I never understood is that if this was all above board, etc., A, why would you keep it on an Excel spreadsheet on someone's desktop? <laughs> B, didn't you think it would be a little bit sus that, look, we're not going to do Where's this Where's the, the Excel club. spreadsheet, man? Where's it? 
Oh, uh, Danky's got it. Danky's got it. Um, we're not going to do them at the club. We're just going to go down the road to somebody else's place <laughs> and get that. Like, wouldn't that there be happens. something that go? They knew, That's mate, something's because not they right knew, here. Because they, they knew. knew, they knew, they all consented to the darkest. Like, that is the most sinister and evil thing that's ever happened in AFL football. And Essendon supporters are putting their heads in the sand around it. And to this day, until they come up and go, no, nah, no, nah, we did it. You know, I, I think that they're, they're going to reap the, reap the repercussions. Throwing it out there, if it was Matthew Knights, okay. So you, did you play with Matthew Knights? I did. You did? Great All player, right. great so guy. Fantastic fellow. He, he was stuck between a rock and a hard place when he took over Sheedy because no one was, whoever took over him after the first time. But yeah. let's just say it was him who instigated this. And we know he didn't. The Essendon supporters, I don't reckon, would be as much. Would in, have turned on him. Exactly. It would have been that, that Richmond prick. But because it's that yeah. guy who wore the number five for them. No, no, no. He couldn't have done that. He but he took it too, you know, <laughs> which is not illegal, which is not illegal for him. Because he's a coach, like he's not competing yeah. in in professional sport. Of course, you can do it, and I get, I get, I understand vanity, yeah. But don't tell me, James, you didn't know what the fuck it was, mate. You fucking liar. You're a fucking liar, James Hurd. Great player, but you're a fucking liar. And you knew exactly what you were doing. You knew exactly because you took it yourself, and that which is not a crime in and of itself. But don't say you didn't fucking know, right? Because you fucking did. All right. So that's a fact. Yeah. He he took it himself. Not a crime, but he knew. So don't go playing you didn't know. Don't go playing fucking innocent. Yeah. You fucking knew. That's bullshit. And then once again, that was what four five years ago now. I think it was two thousand. Was yeah, it five years. Five years. Five years. And they're still. And they're still. They're still yeah. See, and they, they could have moved it off. And what topped it off? Which on. I think a lot of people. So they had their sub. They had the the players, the thirty four or whatever it was. Then they got the number one draft pick the next year because they finished last. Yeah, interesting. Isn't it's it? a hard one. That was a hard. I think that was yeah. a, that was a hard one for a lot of. That was when it affected. I think everybody. Yeah. Because it affected football from that yeah. perspective. Yeah. But you've done something wrong. You've filled it in with replacements, and because you weren't uh, that great, uh, you're going to get the number one. Yeah, I don't think they thought that through. I don't think they thought the penalty through. Yeah, so... Um, I have another one for you. Yeah, fire away. <laughs> this is good, isn't this it? This is good, isn't it? <laughs> um, <laughs> oh. The men's season is finishing up. Sorry, starting. It's been one week down. But the oh, AFLW is right, okay. wrapping up as well, too. Now, we had a bit of a chat a couple of weeks ago right. at a very high level. Your thoughts around it. Now, it's only three years in, yep. okay? But your thoughts, feelings around around it? Uh, well, let me ask you, Chris. What, what do you think of it? How many games have you watched? Uh, full games? <laughs> That's probably my answer. <laughs> I, I haven't. I just find the game is it's almost in slow motion. I, I find when I watch it, it's it's a slow motion. So, so, so how many games have you watched? Full games? Yeah, I don't think I've watched the game. I, may, okay. I reckon oh. I maybe watched Melbourne's first game. Right, and that's about it. I haven't been to one right. okay. at all. Why and why is that? Um, just because it's in slow motion. No, no, it's just it doesn't does it doesn't it doesn't grab it doesn't me. Grab me. It doesn't okay. grab okay. me. Be interested. Like, I'd be interested to dive into 
why it doesn't grab you because you're a you're a passionate footy man. Yep. You love your footy. This is the reason why you this do your podcast. Doing this. Yeah. Right. Um, you're a knowledgeable uh, fee paying. Yep. Fan. You 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 contribute yep. your dollars your 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 leisure dollars into the game because you love it and you're passionate about it. you play it. Okay. That's what creates a market. Okay. Just letting you know. Hmm. So. If someone like you, it doesn't grab you. It doesn't grab me either, man. Yeah. And I consider myself a professional, still a professional in it, uh, with an expert opinion on it. Um, they've done it ass about. I think, you know, the men's game has evolved over 150 years and now we've, we're, we're at the pointy end of evolution of it, right? And it's a slick and polished product. And it's worth a lot of money because it's interesting. Um, you know, we've got the best of the best athletes playing and, and excelling in the game. And it's a spectacle to watch. The women's game isn't a spectacle to watch. And when you've got women that can walk off a basketball court or a volleyball court straight into the elite level or soccer or hockey or whatever yeah. and walk straight into the elite level, um, that's a bit of an alarm bell that the quality ain't going to be there, right? So this so, this is so multi-layered, right? They've just plonked these girls at the top end with the National League, and they're not that good. They're not very good. That There's no skill base. You know, I'd venture to say that 95% of those girls were playing with dolls when they were six. Yeah. And that's not, that's not a dig. That's just what those girls were doing back then, yeah. you know? Um, the vast majority of them, I've right? I've got a daughter doing exactly the same me, thing. Me too. Yeah. I've got three, right? And all of them. I mean, now, they may turn into footballers, but they're not going to have the same sort of uh, aptitude for it as young boys that from the age of six, they're playing with footies all the way through and they're more physical and all that. So we haven't had a generation of girls come through yet that were playing with footies. So no. that, that there's... And, and like there's these innate movements that you learn and just get repeated over and over again in the schoolyard and, and in your under nines, under tens, under elevens, under twelves, all the way through yep. to under eighteens to where you become the polished product, right? And then the AFL just knocks off all the rough edges and there you go. Yep. Well the AFL W I mean there's no second tier competition even. Where do you go to if you get dropped from the AFLW? And it, okay, that well, second tier competition is no good. But that's, yeah, but that's not even any good. That's no good. Is that just being created to yeah, they're going, supplement? It's, it's almost like they've gone, right, let's work backwards. Let's, let's, let's start at the top and then work down. Worked that's up. never worked, no. right? And I'm not saying it can't work. I'm just saying, why wouldn't you have a professional competition that evolves from the evolution let's start at the grassroots let's ha let's start it with the junior girls and let's develop some kids through the ranks yep. and keep developing as we go and then then we get into teenage years and then we've got a good teenage comp and then we've got a good uh division one two three four comp you know yep. locally in all of the states and then out of that becomes your elite competition uh, right now we've got girls that you know they're no good. They're just no. They're just no good. They don't have the skill level. Um, you know the. I don't know when, when your biggest when the biggest news story 
is a girl kicking a football, flashing her twat. You know, I mean... That wasn't a story. And you know what? You know, that's a non-story. And yet, that's the biggest, that's the biggest story. And, and you know what? All around that as well. That to me, if you're a red-blooded man, yeah. that is a, that's a sexual photo. Yeah. Why, would you, like, why would you put a girl in that? Why wouldn't you pixelate it? Do you yeah, know what I mean? Like yeah, that, I, look, I looked at it. I looked at it and went, "That's, did you, that's now, Im- I must admit, that's impressive." Right now, now, did you expand it and try? I and didn't look up expand her it. I didn't expand you're it. You're a liar, Chris. No, I would not look, lie about that. You're not looking in my eyes. I would not look lie about eyes. that. I'm looking in your eyes right now. But I looked at that and went, well, "I've got half impressive. a dozen mates, yeah, who did, and including yeah. myself, that yeah. did." And you know what? I'm proud of that because I'm a red-blooded male. That doesn't yeah. mean I'm a toxic male. That means I'm attracted to an attractive woman. Yeah. And, and that's just what you do. And women would do the we'll same, do the same thing. thing. Exactly, exactly the same thing. Well, they it's just they what humans do, man. And that's funny. They and it's not toxic. It's, it's red blood. You know what? If the world stops doing that... Is, if, we're if, not going to be going too much further. If we are not. No. We are not. It was interesting so, that when you said that because you, know. you looked at all the comments that were written and there was a big furor around that. And I can understand it to a degree. But then they showed the same, uh, a similar picture yeah. of Dusty yeah. with... Uh, we were writing exactly the virtually the same yeah. thing, and that wasn't even look. I, I, an look I, I get, I get that um, you know uh, a woman and a man different to defend themselves and all that. Yeah. You know, so physical safety. But you know what? It's on the internet, woman. Get a grip of yourself and check yourself. No one know. I didn't know who the fuck she was. Yeah. I, I couldn't have told you who the fuck she was until she was flushing her twat on the internet. I knew you know, because like, she played for Melbourne said, a couple of years and yeah, you know I was what? I couldn't have that. told you who she was. Yeah. She's a nobody and she's making something out of nothing. But I don't think she was the one who made the stuff out of it. No, no. What she's done post that yeah. is, oh, I don't feel safe. I don't. Bullshit. Has anyone come up to you and made you feel unsafe? The answer is no. The answer is absolutely not. Because you know what? The world is made up of vast majority of decent men. There's 1% of loonies that are your problem. Yeah. And then, you know, you're insulated from them. Nothing's going to happen. You know, like, but, yeah, uh, it's, you know, you're making something out of nothing. All this is just, you're trying to get publicity for yourself. And don't say you feel unsafe because it's the internet. It's not even real. It's yeah. not even real. You'll you be fish and chip paper tomorrow. You know, like you, you give it a couple of you give it a couple of you give it so a couple of weeks time right. after the season's finished, it probably shut down. Right. So let me bring it back. Yep. I, I'm actually I actually want the women's comp to succeed. I actually do. I think it's good. I think it's a good thing. And I think, uh, but right now they're um, they're putting the horse before the cart. They're trying to market a terrible product and put it on primetime TV. Uh, and the women are kidding themselves if they think they deserve to be paid the same of, as men because it's not, it's not equal work for equal pay because you're not doing equal work. Like you're not, you're not capturing the imagination as your contemporaries are in the, in the male game, right? When you do, then you'll get a slice. But until you can attract people into the sport that are more interested to see up your shorts mm. than they are the game... Mate, you're not going to get paid that way, right? Your game is eight games long. Uh, eight, eight. Your season's eight games long. It's eight games long. Their quarters are, are short. Right. So There's a different look, size just ball. they need to, they just need to back the truck up a bit, you know, like and just put things in perspective. And I, I think I'd love to see the women's game um, flourish. I actually was critical of it 
um, you know, because they don't put the heights and weights of the girls like they do the players. They don't. No. And didn't notice that. Yeah. Well, they put the heights, but not the weights. And this was when, uh, and they've done a bit better job of it now. I mean, there's a few fatties out there, but I mean, some of the girls that, you know, present themselves, I mean, they're just obese. You know, there was a couple from the Crows and uh, I was critical of that. You know, you're supposed to be an elite comp on primetime TV and we're supposed to watch these fatties run around. Give us a break, right? But I look, if you want to be treated, if you want to be treated properly and equally, well, that's yep. that's the scrutiny that you, you come up against. It's a prefer- If you want to be taken seriously, like Serena Williams cops crap all the time, and so be it. And, and it's just water off a duck's back because she doesn't care. She presents herself however she wants. And that's what professionals do. So shut up about that and put your weights on there because we want to see what type of player you are. Because if we see... If we see 170 centimetres and 45 kilos, we know on, what kind of a play. You're baller, a runner. You're a yeah, runner. Yeah, that's right. If we see your 190 centimetres and your 80 kilos, key we play, can tell you a position, position player. player. Yeah. See? So you can't tell see? that from... See? Yeah, we get it. We get it. See? I, I, we're preaching out of the same hymn book, and I really like that. And so I actually really want to see them succeed. Uh, and I think if they go back to the grassroots and build from the, from the ground up, it's going to be a much better product. Yeah. Um, I actually, because I was quite critical of it on Facebook and copped a lot of shit for it, and I don't care because my thoughts are valid and if you don't like them, stiff shit, don't read them, yeah. right? Um, but I actually went to a game. I went to the Bulldogs play Carlton. Yep. Um, and you know what? It was a spectacle. But it was free to get in. Yeah. There was a lot of carnival activities going on. Yep. There was food trucks and... Bouncing castles and boutique beer and, you know. Was it almost like the game was secondary almost. to a degree? It was a carnival atmosphere. Yep. There was lots of people in there. You know, it was a great crowd. It was a, it was a really good feel. It was a carnival. The weather was beautiful. The roar of the crowd was genuine. Yep. Um, there was some good passages of play. Um, and as an experience, it was worth going. Would I pay... You know, sixty bucks for the family to go, and then exactly you know, right. the, the the hundred and fifty dollar outing that it is, I probably wouldn't. But, but you that's going to be the test. But that's going to be the test for the AFL because how much yeah. longer are they going to prop it give up. it to free, prop it up and give yeah. it to you for free? Yeah, and it's that's almost and that's a good question. But they're also going to be. And, but the interesting thing is that you mentioned how they almost just not threw them to the wolves, but they they just let it launch three seasons ago. They did Gold throw them Coast, to the Wolves. Yeah, yeah. Gold Coast <laughs> and GWS had to play in their state leagues for a couple of years. I don't know if you remember that. They had to play. They didn't go straight to the AFL. They had to. They played in mm. their state leagues Same Richard, for a couple yeah. of years and then Geelong, got introduced yeah. in mm. terms of the from the men's team. So even the men's team had to spend a couple of years mm. when the when the boys first got up there mm. playing in mm. their local leagues to, to then get up and then. Mm. So they were. It's almost the reverse of what they've done here. They just yeah. got the group. Yeah. Like, there you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. But for the men, we'll yeah. actually give That's you a right. couple of years to to get your bearings, etc. Right. And away That's you right. go. That's right. But I will say one thing that my daughter didn't, and it might be just her age, but she didn't have a bar of like I take it to the footy. Yet she loves her footy now, loves kicking it. But do you want to play? Yeah, I'm not too sure. So it's interesting. She likes having a kick. She likes watching it, but playing it, she plays it at school. But you want to come play for for his killer or who you want? Well, I'm not too sure yet, Dad. And whatever her decision is, that's her decision. So I think that the, I'd, be, the, I'd be I'd be mortified if my daughters chose footy. Yeah. To be honest. 
Yeah. I'm trying to get her to play golf. I'm trying to get her to play golf because then we can do something together. She loves her karate too, so I'm happy that she does that. But do you know what? And look, footy. I'm sure because they're throwing so much, so many resources at it, um, and. I think you're right. You started down the line of uh, when the rubber hits the road and they're going to have to pay to get in and, and pay their own way. Because there's, in business, um, there's a principle that if you've got a really successful division of your business and it's making an incredible profit and it's really successful, and then you go out and you start another division uh, and you're using the successful side to prop up and fund the non-successful side. You can only do that for a certain amount of time before the the startup division has to run at a profit on its own right, okay? And to throw any more resources at it after that is bad business. It's the way to run both businesses out of business, right? And so when the rubber hits the road, as you say, when you have to start to pay to get in it, it starts to have to pay its own bills, um, that's going to be the real test, isn't it? You know, like that'll that'll be the real test, and I, I think it can be. I think it can be. They just need to dial it back a bit and just lower their expectations and 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 make it more palatable. And Mick Malthouse um, did a did a promotional thing with Moana Hope, and Moana Hope walked out on Mick. Now the, I remember the, that. Yeah, Mick Malthouse is probably the most one of, if not, you know, one of the top five respected people in the game with. You know, 40 years experience at the elite level. And when Mick talks, like, he's not just making shit up. Like, he's, and he's got daughters himself, right? And so he couldn't be more supportive of women in sport, right? His daughters were really gun basketballers, right? And uh, he couldn't be more supportive. And I would say Mick is a feminist. I know Mick, Hmm. right? I know Mick, and he is a feminist. Because he coached you, didn't he? Pardon? He coached you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah he was doggies. my first senior coach. Doggies? He gave me my yeah. first senior game, right? And, and he's a wonderful, another one of those guys you're just happy to have known and had a part in their, they've had a part in your life. And so Mick's telling, Mick, the question was, what would you do, you know, what would you do to help the women's comp be successful? So I'm paraphrasing that. And he said something along the lines of, you know, I changed the rules and changed the length of this and that and make the ball smaller yep. and all, all this and Moana Hope, who wasn't even paying attention by all accounts, was just mucking around on her phone, mm-hmm. right? And then just got up and left. I don't have to listen to this. And she left. So if she had been, A, paying attention, like Mick was given his expert opinion of 40 years at the elite level on how the, the women's game could progress. And last time I checked, and he had coached the most games in the AFL. So you'd <laughs> think he might look, have some sort of insight You'd think he'd have some it. clue. And... The last thing he, he would be, and I look, the last thing that he would want is A, to offend anyone, B, for the women's comp to be unsuccessful. So he's coming from a position of love and he's coming from a position of how do we help, you know, not, not from a position of humiliation or, or no. you know, we're trying to run you down because you're only women. You know, he's trying to help the, from what he's seen, the, you know, the women need a leg up in, in some areas. And he was coming up with some solutions, you know. So, and she's a buffed, that woman. Uh, I, can't, I can't cope. Yeah. Well, she was supposed to be the, you're the big, a nobody. The big, you're the big a... uh, white hope at Collingwood. Right. Didn't yeah. work. Gone over to North. Hasn't fired yeah. a shot since. Because she's a, she's a nobody that's done nothing in the game. And she's just a buffed. You know, like the unique if she look. That... Back, yeah. Like she's a pretty girl. Yeah. Pretty girl. Um, she's got a look. 
you know, make no mistake. Yeah. She she has a look. She's marketable from an image point of view. Um, you know, I I think there's she ticks a lot of boxes, but her attitude sucks. Her attitude sucks because you know if you're kicking six goals a week and you're helping your team win and all this and you've done something in yep. the game but you, she's a, also ran as far as I'm concerned she's got no runs on the board no. in terms of the game compared to like the likes of Mick don't, don't be running him down and, and picking a fight with him in public because you're going to lose that every single time and you probably wouldn't lose it with, with him you'd probably lose it with a lot of other people hey I've got to ask you something sure. you mentioned coaches yes alright so um, and you went through quite a number of names you went through uh, Terry Wheeler Swooper Northy uh, Mick as well Danny Frawley, who were the ones, and who were the ones that you just sat back and went, like every time they talked, it was just, wow, if you know what I mean. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. you, you would, you all would of run through a brick wall for them. All, all of them. And who were the ones that you sit there and go, mate? Mm, oh, okay. okay. Yeah, nah, a lot. Nah. Okay. Okay. So, I have to say, all of them have their moments. Yep. All of them have their moments, and all of them, you'd say have that okay Mick was an unbelievable players coach you know he was he was excellent players loved him and um, you really want to play for him he got a good sense of humor and hard man's man hard yeah. but fair yep um, and I had uh, Terry Wheeler and I had a bit of a love-hate relationship with him but he was ahead of his time Terry Wheeler he was he was a genius he could still coach now yeah yeah, he was he was way ahead of the game. He he dragged Footscray slash the Western Bulldogs out of a mindset and took them to the you know pinnacle or the game away from the grand final uh, from nowhere. He's a genius. Like yeah. he he was really really good. He was a very good communicator as well. Um, sometimes his expectations of me personally were a little bit unrealistic, and you know we had our moments. But I love him. He, he was he was a very good coach. Had Terry Wallace as a reserves coach. Okay. In, in when he first started coaching, so we were teammates at the Bulldogs, and then he became reserves coach. Yep. And I loved him. He gave me every. He was a real players coach as well. Had real empathy for the players. Um, he he gave me every opportunity to play seniors like by playing me in all different positions to show that I could, I was competent. He played me on the wing, played me full back, back pocket, half back flank, center half back, in the center, ruck rover, in the ruck, half forward flank, center half forward, full forward, forward pocket, everywhere, loose man in defense, just to show that I could play all these positions and just so that the coach couldn't pigeonhole me. Um, and uh, he was really honest, he was brutally honest. He, he, I remember having a conversation with him. He goes, this was before Wheels was going to trade me to uh, Fitzroy. Um, and I didn't want to leave. That's when I went and played baseball. I quit and played baseball. So, so he, you yeah. actually quit playing footy? Yeah, because Wheels was... Because you were going to trade over to... Fitzroy. Fitzroy. What year was that going to be? That would have been 94. And they finished up in 96. Six. That's right, yeah. But, oh, well... Who knows? I could have ended up at Brisbane. Well, so the year that you came, um, only four votes, four votes behind in the Brownlow, yeah, could have been almost the year that you may not have played football again. 
if Fitzroy had gone down in '96. Well, when they no, no, no. But see, I there was a there would have been a chance that they took me up to Brisbane. Ah, to Brisbane, yeah. exactly right. And I would have played in four premierships. <laughs> <laughs> Well played. You know, well so, played. Yeah, so, well, there could have been really. You, well, it could have been you and Chris Johnson. Yeah, not really. Yeah, not really. So, because I didn't make that choice. I went and played baseball instead. Yeah. So, but um, Terry Wallace was really, um, really honest. He said, look, they've got a mindset on you. I've got no doubt you'll be a very good senior player, but it won't be here. And that broke my heart, but he was honest. And, and what, you know, what do you do with that? Like, you can go, well, fuck you. But at the end of the day, he was honest. And it gives you a chance to deal with it. And I, I think that's all you need. Uh, all, all players ever want, I mean, is to have that tough conversation because it's all right. Just don't bullshit them. Just don't bullshit players. And to this day as a coach myself, I don't bullshit players. because I'd rather I'll give you the news and you deal with it rather than bullshit you. I think one of my favourite movies is Moneyball. <coughs> And there's a quote that Brad Pitt makes in the movie when they're going to cut one of the blokes. And he says, look, what would you prefer? Would you like uh, one one to the head or three to the chest and bleed out? <laughs> Just give me the one to the head. Like, if I'm not doing it, tell me I'm doing it wrong. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, don't yeah. give me the sugarcoat. Don't sugarcoat it. And it sounds like... Yeah. He just yeah. tells he you was, how it is. He was great like that. And, and, you know, all through the years subsequent to that, he's been a really good person in football, you know, to... The, every time I've run into him, he's more than a gentleman and a great friend, and you know, a really good football person and a you know, really charming and good person to be around. Terry yep. Wallace. Um, then we moved to uh, uh, went to Richmond, so yep. that was where I had um, Swooper John Northey. Yeah, what was fantastic. he like? Because he was the awesome. Melbourne players loved awesome. John, uh, John Northey. Came over to Richmond. He was great. He he made you feel like you were part of something. Uh, it was us against the world. The umpires hate us. The <laughs> press hate us. You know, and all we've got to do is stick together. We've only got each other, so we can't let each other down. And and the players like like we loved him. He was awesome. He was really good. Tactically, probably not the best. Yep. Um, you know, but um, uh, Kevin Morris was the reserves coach there. I had a great relationship with yep. Kevin, and we did a lot of work. Um, I went full-time. I actually um, went full-time when I went to Richmond and uh, started going... I st well, I started taking a couple of days off my plumbing job yep. a week and going in and doing some stuff at the club. And I kept asking Kevin Morris, would he work with me and come out and do some stuff? And he was like, no. Nah. He was just sussing me out, right? And then uh, one day I was out there and he watched me over about three weeks come down on a Thursday and Friday and I'd, you know, first of all warm up and lift some weights and then just light weights and uh, a light workout and then go out and do some stretching, running, get loose and then do some kicking, some yep. angle shots and work on stuff that you wouldn't work at a practice, right? And then one day he comes out and he goes, rightio, you want extra work? Let's go. Let's do it. And then from there, a beautiful working relationship and became really close friends and he then it evolved to then on a monday or no 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 it was later in the week like on the friday yep. uh no no thursday or friday we did it we'd he go one day he said to me come in come in thursday a little bit earlier yeah and so now i'm full time right and what he'd done was he put together a video of my next opponent and a plan on how I'm going to beat him. 
So we'd sit down and we'd pull apart. So John Barnes, I, I remember this one distinctly, yep. you know, like he, he broke down John Barnes's game and he goes, look, see how when he goes into a boundary throw and he points where he's going to hit it? Yep. Okay, so just hold back, look where he's going to point and get on that side and, and then take his arm. Yeah, yeah, take that mess arm. Mess with his head. Yeah, yeah. And it w destroyed him. You know, like it was amazing. And he'd come up with these little, just these little things. And I would execute the plan, you know, to the letter. And so what, that this was 96, by the way. And so what it looked like, if you were looking at my game, you go, he's doing something different every week. We can't sit on him. Like against Barnes, he's like changing sides. Why is he changing sides all the time? You know, because one... Uh, and like how, does he, and how does he know this? Like, if if because at that stage we're looking at fourteen teams in the comp at that stage. Oh, I can't remember. Oh, yes, if it was, there we go fourteen. Thirteen, well, obviously not himself, so that makes it thirteen. Twelve other teams. So you'd be sitting there doing all this sort of stuff. The other twelve ruckmen probably just going same side as they normally would. What's best? Yeah, for He's right. rocking up against you and going, hold on a second. How does he know that? I'm going to go there all the time. Oh, he, wouldn't been, he, he wouldn't have been. He wouldn't have picked. He wouldn't it. have. He wouldn't have known. He wouldn't have known. It was so subtle. So you were an innovator. Kevin was an innovator. Kevin was an innovator, man. Like he was, his, he should have been, he should have got the coach ahead of Walsey, but I'm, I'm sort of, either guy would have suited me, but the fact that it was Walsey was great, but I would have supported Kevin. I mean, he was fucking great. He was, he was a tactical genius. He was really good tactically. Yeah. Um, probably not as good a communicator. I, I loved him. I, I thought he was in the swooper mould, but he was tactically really good. But I really enjoyed Kevin. Um, then we went to Walsey. Mm -hmm. uh, and I loved, Walsey was probably my favourite because I played my best footy under him. And he was just, he really gave me confidence and self-belief. Um, was he a hard but fair type of guy yeah, as well? Yeah. Bloody oath. Oh, he was fucking hard. He was Mick Mouldhouse hard. Like, tough. <laughs> you know, had, you know. But if you were doing the right thing, yeah, sure, yeah, then sure, he sure, sure, would. and and quick with praise, but also fucking cut you down with words. Not a swear word. He never swore, but he could cut you to ribbons. I remember one day he he cut David Burke to shreds because Burke turned up late three times in a row, and one time he missed the whole session. <laughs> David Burke and he was one of Jesse my Hogan tried that a couple of weeks ago. Look how that turned out for him. <laughs> But David Burke was one of my good friends. He's a funny, funny kid, like good footballer, funny kid. And, but just like, cause you had to be sharp and cause training sessions could change um, on the whim. Yep. Right. And, um, and we changed from punt road to Gosh's paddock and, uh, and we were just warming down. And <laughs> Berkey was wandering, Berkey's walking in like, <laughs> Oh, warm up a bit late for warm up. <laughs> The whole and you just session. see, you just see everyone just like anyway, hand in the oh, head. Walsey's, Walsey's walking across. Walsey, Walsey's called everyone in, put Berkey in the centre, and just undressed him, like just dressed him down with not a swear word. Just a, nothing that you've ever done since I've gotten to this club has ever resembled a professional. You think you, you know, you're living off the fame of your own father. You know, like he just, he went, nothing was sacred. He just tore him to, but not a swear word. And everything was just observational truth. He would just, he could pull you apart and and eat your soul, <laughs> you know, like and spit out the pips, you know, like he was, he was amazing. But I, I love Wolsey. And then Jeff Geishan come along and um, he was an interesting cat because he, he won premierships at every level that he coached. 
except AFL, yeah, right? And I would have said coming in, this he's a coaching genius, you know, like he won a premiership with our twos. Yeah. And he won it with, um, you know, uh, has-beens and kids. And we played a Hawthorne team in the grand final that had, you know, something like 1,500 games worth of AFL finals experience, right? AFL finals, we're talking about grizzled veterans that are just, just under ju- that level yeah yeah just i mean like have been really good senior players now just playing out the end of their careers yep. and we ran all we ran rings around them and a very spiritual brand of football you know like they shared the it was a beautiful style of football he had him playing and he did that everywhere he went and then he you know, so we talk about, you know, you, we mentioned early on in the piece, really yeah. early, about coaches coaching congruent to who you are as a player. Well, that was him as a player, right? But then when he got to the top level, he got away from his congruence. He got away, he started playing the political game, trying to be yeah. popular, trying to, you know, make, you know, the popular guys in the seniors happy and playing off people and being not in integrity. He wasn't in integrity and. Uh, I would say, not that he was a bad guy, but he was one of my worst coaches. Uh, c- well, mainly because he, he didn't get where I was coming from either. And it must have shit him that his sons had his had my number on his back. I was their, his son's favourite player. And he was always getting into me about being arrogant and you know thinking I'm better than I am and, and shit like this, which really wasn't true. I just did it for a laugh and I'm an outgoing sort of guy. And he's you know? probably the opposite of that. Yeah, mm. maybe. Maybe. There's, there's, there yeah. is that fine line between confidence yeah. and arrogance, and it can yeah. be seen. Well, to give you an example, right, this is what happened. So I played in a really, like, towards the end, football training got really smart, right? And we started training like decathletes. We had the Australian decathlete coach as our head strength and conditioning, and we were doing stuff. I was like Spider-Man, you know, climbing up ropes yeah. and doing really athletic stuff, chin-ups with pull-ups mm-hmm. and you know, um, pole vault sort of exercises yep. and crawling across the ground and rolling and um, sprint training and this power to weight ratio stuff. And I was light but powerful, right? Yeah. And um, we did a lot of uh, Olympic lifting as well, um, sub max, so not not full full Olympic as heavy full as you range, can lift. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But, but the movements, the Olympic weightlifting yep. movements. And I'd done a bit of this with my dad's rowing crew. They train Olympic weight training when, and so I've done it all my life, really. And so, uh, Efim, our uh, Hungarian uh, athletics coach, was going right. This is the the snatch. He's showing us the snatch, yep. and he was explaining the snatch. And he goes, "Who's the best lifter here?" And I just said, "Oh, that'd be me." Yeah. <laughs> and Jeff Geishen going. Who's this fucking guy? Because know? he doesn't know the, the right. backstory about whatever yeah. is happening. And, but, and, but he goes, right, show me the snatch. And I just fucking pull off a fucking textbook snatch, yep. right? And he goes, okay. FM goes, well, he said he was the best and he is. And you know, like the look on his face was just disgust. And he Was it funny disgust or just no, disgust? No, he it was, was fucking angry. He, he was like, fuck this. Who does this guy think he is, you know? So where other coaches be like, oh, it's funny. Here he goes like, again. Like that's fu- like it's funny. Like that is funny. Like it's funny. Like because I said I was the best, and I was because I'd done it before. So like what, it wasn't. Would he have preferred someone completely different? I should say someone more humble, you know, or, or in that in that scenario, 
I don't know. Who gives yeah. a shit? I mean, you know, back then, you know, I was full of, you know, you're full of confidence. You're strong. You're fit. You're healthy. You're fucking twenty different girls <laughs> a week. You, you know, you're getting into nightclubs when there's a two hundred meter queue. People are giving you shit. You know, like you're on top of the world. Yeah. You, you're the alpha male of the thing, and you're playing good footy, and everything's rocking and rolling. And there's a reason why you are who you are. Yeah. Right. And you know, no regrets. No regrets but, at all. But oh well, one regret obviously. We've, 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 we've gone that. through that, yeah. But um, but certainly in, in that scenario, yeah, he just didn't get who I was, and um, he got away from what made him successful, which was teaching that brand of footy and keeping it equal opportunity. Give yeah. give it to the guy in the best position, and don't think two two things about it, and uh, you know, probably cost him. But he went on to be a very good umpires advisor. You know, the umpires loved him. The umpires loved him. Yeah. Everybody, everybody else didn't. Yeah, but that's, I no, mean, that was his job. He was he was representative of them and and he was, you know, directing them and he did a and great job. He did that for a that. long time, too. He did, yeah. He did that for a long he time. He was very good maybe at that it. Was his, maybe that was his niche. Yeah. yeah. Maybe that was his niche. Yeah, and, and because sometimes, too, like sometimes if you get if you get to the top too quickly, right, and your self image doesn't catch up, I, th- I don't think he had the self image of himself being a, like, his position. And his self-image didn't match. Yeah. So he was an AFL coach now, but his self-image was I don't I, feel I like don't feel like yeah. yeah. And and because of that mismatch, there was self-sabotage going on. So, yeah. But then, as a role as the umpire and director, that's a nice match. Yeah. I got one last thing to ask you before we wrap this up. Sure, man. It's been good. It has been good. What advice would uh, a 27-year-old Justin Charles give himself now? So if you go back, don't do drugs. Don't do drugs. <laughs> <laughs> no, what, interesting question. Okay, so knowing what I know now, knowing knowing now what knowing you what know. I so know. if you could go back, I would go back Justin. Okay, good. Justin, you've now established yourself. You are a first pick senior player. You are a first pick senior player. You don't have to train so hard. Just go easy a bit, son. Yep. You know, train hard but smart, you know, like you don't have to go 100%. It's okay to go 100% here, but then just cruise through little bits, look after your body, get plenty of rest, um, explore some meditation, kid. Explore more visualization, be more into the goal setting. You know, you've started to crack open, you got here because of visualization and goal setting, now get back stronger into it. You know, look at meditation. Um, Explore your spirituality. Bring some humble. Bring some humbleness, and bring. G- give the glory to God. Not that I'm any great Christian no. or anything like that, but or the divine creator mm-hmm. or whatever. But have some sort of spirituality that grounds you, because um, it's not you. You know, the ability is being given to you by the divine creator or God or whoever. Yep. Uh, they're your gifts to enjoy, to experience, but they're for others to enjoy to well. watch. So so keep that in perspective you know um be smart with your money because it'll run out yeah uh you know but other than that no you've done all right other than that don't do drugs do i say that Charles, I, reckon <laughs> I reckon you've done all right today mate. i really appreciate it thanks man um that was good no nah, it was good and i think like i said when we had a chat trying to you know how we were going to organize this one of the things that you said to me was like we're just going to we're just going to talk yeah we're just going to talk and 
that it's long been form great. conversation, man. It just works. It, it just does. works. And you've been honest. You've been open. And I can't. I can't thank you enough from that. So from oh, from me and the Lace Out family, thank you very much. Appreciate it. I'm glad we did it face to face too, because yes, we wouldn't we have were. the same dynamic over the phone. No. So this is, I think, you know, bear that in you mind. You know what? And when it comes down to it, you're just a, a man who kicked the football around. That's and, it. Um, Very lucky. You're, but you're Very remembered blessed. as someone who who changed football forever. And more importantly, I'm, after listening to today, you've you've changed me quite a bit. Just a, a really nice perspective on things. Yeah, good on you, you man. You got things going well. Appreciate it. Thanks, pal. Have a good one. Good on you.